Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 100. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, man. I cannot believe the episode episode 100. And, you know, like cats out of the bag. There's actually, I think this is 128 or 129 or something, but 100 interviews. Um, so I've sat across from 100 people and and talked about their lives and it's getting emotional just talking about it um but this this one is extra special to me for a number of reasons and we talk about it briefly in the beginning but i want to let you know this guest today is chris cable and chris cable was the first guest my first interview and it went three hours and it uh, I, I, I got into way too many details about his life, um, and it was just way too long and I think some drinks were had. And so we, <laughs> I ended up having to scrap that and he was nice enough to come back for this, uh, episode 100. So he was episode zero and now he's episode 100 from zero to a hundred. I think he mentions in this episode. So I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did. This was round two for me, but round one for you guys. This is my friend, episode 100 with my friend, Chris Cable. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? I have to express the excitement that we're doing this, regardless of how you feel about it right now. Because... <laughs> Because nobody, I mean, no, I, don't, I mean, I feel like nobody knows that you were my first interview. And and how long did that go? Like three hours. <laughs> <laughs> three hours, there's some drinks involved, um, and we just branched down a lot of... Oh, wait, are we starting? Different things. Eventually. Yeah. We can start. Um, I want to I wanna ask you, even though I think I know the answer... How are you feeling about being back in in that chair? Oh, metaphorically back, speaking, back in the saddle. Uh well, I'm more sober than I was last time. <laughs> that's a that's a bonus. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, you're drinking we'll the NA Guinness. How do you how do you think it holds up against Guinness? I think it tastes just like the real thing. That's good. That's a bonus. Mm-hmm. Now, if we can only get Guinness to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> Brought to you not by Guinness. Sons <laughs> of Yet. bitches. That's right. Uh, wait for that. Wait for the middle of the episode. You'll hear which NA beer company is sponsoring this episode. There um, go. Well, yeah, I'm I'm excited that you're here. This is I I, I heard this thing on uh, there was like a podcast master class or some shit, and they were talking about hey, how do you celebrate like monument episodes, right? Like your hundredth episode, your thousandth episode, whatever. And the general consensus is you don't <laughs> like because it's it's for you, the creator, but the listeners don't really care. The listeners are like it's just another episode. Why do I care that you've done a hundred of these? <laughs> um, and on that note, fuck you guys. Just kidding. I love all my listeners so much, <laughs> but this is uh, that's why I thought it would be cool to make it a special episode by having you as the hundredth and first guest. Well, zero. 
Yeah, zero, I guess. Zero and 100. You were episode zero and episode 100. And the um, reason why I like that, it makes sense, is because I go from zero to 100 <laughs> all the time. So it's appropriate. Yeah, it feeds right into my personality. Perfect. Um, well, let's let's start there. <laughs> let's start at zero. Um, you're born. That you, happened. You uh, grew up in Waterford, right? I grew up in Waterford and with a field trip in Clarkston for a couple years. <laughs> there you go. Um, but your your childhood's all in Waterford. Yep, for the most part. Until your teenager. Until I was a teenager, a little rapscallion. Rapscallion. Then we came back to Clarkston and uh, 9th through 12th grade. Um, that's what I met you. That's right, baby. I was here the whole time. Yeah. Um, and you're an only child. Yep. Uh, what? How old are you when your parents divorced? When my parents divorced, I was four. Yeah, same age. Yeah, that, yep. That. yeah, yep. Same age. Four years. I just turned four. You missed out not having an older brother that could resent you for that. It's yeah, really, it's been well, really great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna skip through some of that stuff. Get to the to the meat. Uh, but I, I'm curious. A couple things I do want to touch on. But, there we go. But, it was a good time. <laughs> I do. I mean, it's it's worth noting, right? Your your mom remarried, um, mm-hmm. and then if you you want to, if you could summarize your childhood relationship with your dad, how would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> my childhood relationship with my actual dad, yeah, was a mixture of destruction, resentment towards my mom, and the feeling that I could get away with anything that I wanted to do, which I did. Yeah. Um. And at a young age, I was making way too much money doing dumb crap, like mowing the yard when a child shouldn't be operating anything gas-powered at that age. What age is too young to mow the yard? It's, uh, maybe not. I don't know. Seven. Okay. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> eh, maybe not. Maybe that's a debatable thing. But see, No, that's even, I, I'm on board with you there. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to give a seven-year-old anything that's gas-powered. <laughs> but the cool thing about having divorced parents, when that happens then you just kind of like get to experience a lot of cool things at a really young age as bad or as good as it is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all I can say about that, I guess. It's all go. good. Um, what are your social and I guess emotional outlets? I, I was trying to think of like where, where you would throw music into that, but like what, what are your outlets as a, as a kid when you're going oh, man. through that? And... <clears throat> Music was and still is an outlet, and that never changed. Yeah. That never changed because in sixth grade, and I got my first CD player, my first CDs were Green Day Dookie, Cranberries, No Need to Argue, and Pearl Jam 10. And I got them all wrapped up as one gift for Christmas. That's where it all began. That's a good Christmas. My fourth CD was Collective Soul, and my fifth was Offspring Smash. Collective Soul is not... An artist that I ever had a full album of. I was like, I know the radio songs. Well, I mean, that's about all you need to know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no offense to all your Collective Soul fans out there. What I'm curious now. <laughs> these are the tangents we're going to go internet, on. Because Justin told me today he actually has the internet. Yeah, guys. Big deal in the household. Um, these are, these are the, This is the type of tangents we're going to go on because I'm curious. Before you got those CDs... Like, think back to, you're not in control of your own music tastes. Oh, yeah, yeah. What did you listen to? The Doors. I was raised on The Doors. Okay. Interesting. The Doors. I had all The Doors songs memorized by, like, the third grade. 
and I had him on. I had the best of the doors on cassette. When I finally got my first Walkman, that's the only tape I'd bring to school. And oh, and then my second was Ace of Base. <laughs> I love. It. I have a very vivid memory of listening to Ace of Base in fifth grade. Like someone brought. Was it be a CD player at that point? Someone brought, maybe it was probably a Walkman, brought to class and like somehow hooked it up to a speaker or something. Maybe we had a boombox in my class, but I just remember listening to Ace and Bass. So I can see that like green, white with a little bit of like pinkish red on the cover. That Wasn't album. it like a flower? Yeah. I just remember the colors. Does that say something about me? <laughs> yeah. I, I only asked that because when you mentioned CDs, I always think about like my first CD was technically the Lion King soundtrack. Hey, you got to start And then somewhere. it was Bob Seger's greatest hits. But I had Dookie on cassette. Um, and But other than that, it was all like whatever my parents gave me. And since it was primarily my mom, it was like Paul Abdul and uh, uh, I can't, Bon Jovi and like Michael Jackson. That was my shit. <laughs> I could do Weird Al all fucking day and i still i just made i literally like three weeks ago just made a weird al playlist on my phone because god them them are the hits them give are me the weird hits. al circa 1980 to 1995 and i am happy forever um all right tangent over <laughs> so music is one outlet what's your social life look like um man social life what's a social life <laughs> do you forget already well i just we oh man when I lived in Waterford, how I'm still alive and how I've never broken any bones is yeah. an unsolved mystery. Yeah, I'm actually surprised by that. Because I I was a pretty smart kid, but not when it came to doing physical activities. And I used to race BMX and do bike tricks and all these cool things. And we'd stay out late and ride our bikes. Well, I guess late was like, what, 8.30 p.m. I don't know. We uh, we hit it pretty hard. Me and my little gang of rap scallions in Waterford. Did you skate when you were there, or didn't you? Or did you not skate till Clarkston? That were the, the Clarkston years. Okay. Because that's when you. It's funny. I mean, I traded one wacky hobby for another wacky hobby that involved high amounts of bodily risk. Yeah, there you go. You didn't do any winter sports, did you? Mm-mm. Oh, I skied. I used to ski. I used to ski a little bit. Did you? Take that to the extreme, too, with some jumps and shit. We, I remember in seventh grade, I went down. What is it called at Pine Knob? Like, um, it, it's the wall something, and it's like a black diamond. Yeah, it's it's just the wall, because there's the moguls, and then the yeah. side of the moguls was just this, like, almost straight down thing that they called the wall. That, I went down that. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I really, I'm not I'm not good at skiing yeah. or anything, and I just wanted to see what it was like. Did you crash? I, nope, I did not crash. I but had, it was terrifying. I had a skiing anomaly at Pine Knob, and uh, this is one of those things. You know that you know when you have something happen to you when you're a kid, and like somewhere in your head you're like, "If I pursued this, I'd be a world champion." Oh yeah, because <laughs> um, I, I did the you know I did skiing. I'd do the quarter mile on the bunny hill, like just these like basic ass things. I would I was afraid to go off jumps because I was like when you're midair and I'm sure you don't relate to this knowing your 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 history and your job but when I'm midair there's a point when you're midair for long enough where you're like fuck what did I do <laughs> and you just get over that part don't even like think about that part oh it's exciting like I did the only other time that happened to me other than the story I'm about to tell is when I, I went cliff diving when I lived in LA I went cliff diving once. And I remember jumping and halfway down, I was like, why am I still in the air? <laughs> like, 
Yeah. Um, and it was super fun. It was great, mm-hmm. but there is a moment. Um, and that's what happened at Pinab. I go down the hill. There's, and all these kids built this giant jump at the bottom. It was the bottom of the fucking bunny hill. Because I don't know if you remember the bunny hill, which obviously from the name of it, people listening, is like a training hill, essentially. Uh, there was two sides to it. And one side was very often closed because there just wasn't enough people to support it. And they built this giant fucking jump at the bottom <laughs> of it. And so I came down. I decided to go down that side. And I see the jump at the bottom. And I just make this split decision. I was like, I'm going to do it. And I hit the jump. I get air. I do a daffy <laughs> with my skis, like where you you know separate or whatever. Yeah. And then I land it, and everyone's like, "That was awesome." I was like, "I don't know what happened." Like, I to this day, I, I don't know uh, how I pulled that off. Um, it was borderline accidental. But then I was like, "I could do this. <laughs> I'm joining the Olympics." Uh, never. And never. that's where it all began. No, that's when I realized how expensive that hobby is, and I never skied again. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the truth of that story. Uh, so, music, extreme sports. <laughs> um, if you want to call them that. Skateboarding and BMXing. So, they're not, I don't think they're extreme in themselves, but I think maybe some of the routes you took with them may fall into the <laughs> extreme world. Yeah, I always had that problem with moderation. Um, <laughs> we'll circle back to that. Uh, <laughs> But you, so you, uh, you graduate high school and was college always on the radar? radar? Were no. You pressured well, into that at all? It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, I don't think people realized that I had the capability to actually do it. Okay. So I'm not really sure. Well, when, uh, let me push back there. When you say people, who are you referring to? Whose expectations? Okay, I was gonna say, whose expectations do you think you're not living up to there? Well, I never had that push. I think a lot of kids had that overbearing push from their parents to go to college for better for worse, and I think that's a problem because a lot of people probably shouldn't go to college, but they're pushed into it anyways. Yeah. And I was the opposite. Like, I kind of wish I had the push, but maybe because I didn't and I got to do it on my own, that it was more rewarding. And the one who talked to me the most about it was my stepdad, and that that was it. Yeah. Um, did your mom go to college? She she did, but she went to college later on in life, and her and I were students at the same time. Oh, that's fun. Yep. So, <laughs> what about your dad? My dad is a uh, sociopathic genius in a nice way, <laughs> and he's got three degrees, two masters, and an undergrad. Oh wow! <clears throat> um, which is kind of amazingly shocking. That's uh, that's Justin Lamb's path right there. Yeah. <laughs> Student for life. Yeah, so the academia runs in the family, but there wasn't really that push. You didn't feel that when you got to towards the end of high school then? No, because and a lot I remember a lot of our friends at the time were kind of ramping up. Where are you gonna go? Where are you gonna Yeah, go? what do you yeah, what's your plan? What are you gonna do? Where are you, uh, and yeah. like I don't know. I'm gonna go ride my skateboard, leave me alone. I'm gonna go to Justin's house and we're gonna listen to some something. Yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do for a career until I was thirty six. So Yeah. <laughs> That's that's twice the college age. Um, yeah, take that take that into account, young listeners. Um, so, but you you do end up going. You go to OU, right? Uh, yep, did OU for a couple of years, two and a half years. Okay, and um, and then I went to Western, and so the fun part is, and I don't know if they fix this loophole or maybe it's not a loophole. I'm not really sure, but being the ding dong that I was back then, I learned that. Um, all of my credits that I've done at OU transferred to a different college, but your GPA did not. Yeah. So it's kind of like hitting the old reset button. Yeah. 
I guess that's a thing. Yeah. I was bummed about that because when I took all my OCC shit to OU, I was like, but I was doing so well. <laughs> I'm still doing well now, but like I wanted to go in with a base number. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's just say I did not have a very high GPA at OU at the time. Yeah. So off right, to Western, hit the yeah, reset yeah, button. Hit the old reset button. It's nice. Um, I'm curious, and, and I'm going to try to tie this ribbon throughout, but because if I fast forward, you start flying planes, but at, at Western. Yes. How old are you, would you say, when you start doing that? Um, I was 21. Okay. And when do you stop skateboarding? Oh. Um. Oh. I think I was like 19 or 20. Okay. So it's not too much. I'm just trying to, I'm thinking what's filling that gap uh, when you're going from, and, and you guys, when I say extreme stuff, I'm, I'm just putting like, I obviously think of your senior picture where you are like <laughs> doing skateboard yeah. tricks off of your car. Uh, <laughs> um, and you know, I, I've, you're, I feel like you're always seeking out something fun, uh, and sometimes that ventures into, like, if there's a Venn diagram of fun and dangerous, you like to live in the middle sometimes. I walk the line. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a thin line, but I walk it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm, I did anything happen in that in that period that you would classify as that, or was that just... We'll call those the, the old learning years. Okay. <laughs> So you, you transfer to uh, Western. Or is your goal to get into flying right when you get there, or what are you studying? Uh, that was exclusively my goal and why I went out there. Okay. Because okay. nobody thought I could do it, and I got pissed off. So. <laughs> Fuck you. It, yeah, it was a dare. I'm, and I said to myself. Did someone specifically dare you? Well, at this point, I changed my major like at least like 100 million times. And so my family's getting fed up, like, well, if you don't figure out what you're going to do, let's rethink college. Let's do anything but college. And I have a few fond memories of my stepdad. And one thing that he asked me when I was really, really young, we were all at dinner one night at this fancy place in Pontiac. Um, He taught me how to be proper at the dinner table. He taught me manners and all this kind of stuff. And he asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, well, I want to be an astronaut, duh, because everyone wants to be an astronaut. And I'm like, well, he goes, well, what if you can't be an astronaut? Well, I, I'll be a pilot. Oh, okay. Well, what if you can't be a pilot? Like, I don't know. And then I, I, <laughs> I ADHD'd off somewhere else or whatever. I'm not yeah. really sure. but Your elevation kept lowering. Then yeah. I'll build skyscrapers. <laughs> yeah. What if you can't do that? I will pave roads. <laughs> what if you can't do that? I will build sewer lines. It's just just all the way down before like subtraining. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're just a geologist that's studying deep core. Uh, hey, and that rocks. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, shit. Podcast <laughs> over. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> um, okay. That's, yeah. I. Uh... So I thought about that when I, when I was thinking about transferring over, and it took a while. It took over, um, it was like a seven or eight month process, I think, to look into it to figure out how to transfer. And I did all the cool thing that I am proud of that I look back on is I did it all by myself because no one believed me that I was actually going to do this. Yeah. And that's when I got like just very angry at this, this burning anger. And um, so I thought about that one time when we were talking about professions and it clicked. I looked around, found Western who has, has a fantastic flight program, figured out how to get in there and do it. And I thought, well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. 
and and it worked. Yeah, <laughs> kind of uh, found something I don't really suck too much at, and yeah. Well, <laughs> I hope you don't <laughs> suck at all because that's pretty. Uh, I feel like that's that job like a has a lot to do with precision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you you but you stay there, right? You get your masters there, and I you, did. Yep, you teach flight school too. I did. The cool thing about the cool thing about how this actually ended up working was. You have your little learning year. Well, okay. So I had my little learning years and then I had my little OU years and they were great. But almost all of my credits transferred out to Western and I had a clean slate and I could do it in two, two and a half years and I was done and it was awesome. So all I had to do when I got there was just focus on it and get out of there and be done. And I got done in two and a half years and my first job was to teach for Western as a flight instructor and I did that for four years. Well, about three years and about eight months. Good times. But it was, uh, you get your master's while you're teaching? I did, yep. Okay. Yep. Is, is it, oh, that's free, isn't it? For me, it was, yeah. Yeah, I want to. That's. Yeah. I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> I need to try to figure out if I can get a job at OU before I start my yeah, graduate right? program. Yep. Oh, man. I always forget about that fun little loophole. Work for the university. Yeah, it's a, it's a neat little trick. Yeah. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> government will do that, too. Not for me. I'm a contractor, mm-hmm. but still. <laughs> um, so I was very fortunate. It was it was nice, and um, so it was a chance for me to build my hours and start advancing at the same time. Yeah. Oh, and at the same time too, that was going through like 2008 and 09 when the market crashed. Everything went to hell. So I'm like, well, I don't know what else I'll do. It's time to weather the storm. And yep, I was a nerd. So without dwelling on on this too much. Can you remember, first of all, and then if you can, tell me about what it's like the first time you are in an airplane and controlling it by yourself? Oh, man. Okay, so... (laughs) What is going through your your head other than just pure adrenaline? This is is the fun part of the conversation. (laughs) There's a handful of flights as a pilot you'd never, ever, ever forget. And one's probably going to be the first one you've ever actually flown an airplane... Yeah. The second one is the first time you soloed. And the third one might be your first job flying something like a jet. And then the fourth one is your first job or your first time flying as captain. And you don't forget those flights ever, ever, ever. That's good. <laughs> first time I flew the airplane, I w- it was just a blast. It was a total blast. And I, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And yeah. I was just, it took me a little, like a minute to kind of get comfortable in it. And then does fear even enter into your mind in that situation? It didn't then. Okay. I mean, yeah, there have been times where that got a little hairy, but I mean, no, then it was just, it was a blast. Yeah. Total blast. And it was just kind of like, all right, here are the controls of the airplane. Screw around with them and see what happens. Like, no. Hey, you don't have to tell no. me twice. Like, all right, cool. All right, that does this. And then this does this. And like, oh, all right. Man. Well, granted, I had a flight, a seasoned flight instructor yeah, yeah. who's making sure I don't annihilate us. I point us down yeah. Um, yeah did do that and then pulled it back up again and yeah yep that's funny but you don't forget that yeah i imagine that's uh is winter time is january 3rd 2005 that was the exact date of my very first flight do you have a preference for flying summer or winter oh uh, in michigan you can't beat summer flying because there's a lot less work to do Okay. The, the problem in Southeast Michigan is we're overcast between October and April. 
Gotcha. We're overcast right now. Yeah. It sucks. And so it gets gloomy and crappy, and all of us have seasonal depression. Yeah. And that's the joy of Southeast Michigan. Yay. I think that's just the Midwest. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just wondering. But okay. So sidebar. It's good. Good yeah. one. What? Uh, <laughs> do you leave and come back to this area right after that teaching? I, well, I did. My first job was here in Waterford at our our beautiful hometown airport. Well, what's the motivation there? Like, was this just better place to find jobs for that, that thing? Or did you want to come back here and find a job here as opposed to out there or anywhere else in the country? The benefit for me, and not a lot of pot, well, I guess a few pots can say this, but it's it, my first job brought me back home, which I liked because I got to be closer to friends and family. Okay. And I've met more than half the people I think I know their first job has been who knows where in the country and yeah. Alaska even it's like you just you take a job and you go for it yeah and especially back then coming out of 08 or 09 it it took a while for the economy to kind of come back from that and so I got my first job here it's flying a really big jet that was really really old had a lot of crazy experiences on that <laughs> um in my hometown yeah well I'm just and the reason I asked that is because I feel like, and correct me, obviously, if I'm wrong, but when you you went to Western, nobody, right? Like, you didn't know anybody there? Yeah, or, I didn't. I had no idea. Um, I, there are people there that I did know, but I had no idea they're actually there. Yeah. Things like but, that. So you built this entire <clears throat> life out there yep. for almost seven years, right? Six, seven uh, years? Uh, well, five, well, let's see. Five, I went five, out in 04, and then after grad school and the teaching, I came back in 2011. Yeah, so, so like what is that? six, seven years? So yeah, seven years. Yeah. Six, seven years. Um, so thinking about it like that, you you done the thing that a lot of people uh, struggle to do, right? Which is like leave your hometown and like just figure it out somewhere else. Just yeah. Um, where's the, was there part of you that's like I don't want to do that again? Um, you know, because you that's a great question. Because <laughs> and and obviously you mentioned the economy and and I don't know what like jobs for pilots looked like in 2011 or whatever it yeah, looks yeah. like. So Who cares? but if there's a possibility of you like oh I could just go live in this place and kind of figured out all over again, or I could go back to where I grew up, where my mom is, uh, like where some of my friends are and go from like, you know, was that, do you think that was a conscious decision or, or, uh, well, you know, I'm not sure if it was a decision so much more as I kind of didn't have a choice. Okay. Student loans were kicking in. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Life was getting kind of serious. I had to figure out what I was going to do. I had two job offers. One was going to take me to California and fly for like a third of the wages I got here in Michigan. And, and, and that a place was my alternative. That's four times as expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and that would have just, I don't know how that would have worked. And then the second job that came my way was this one. So it, it kind of wasn't a choice, but it, everything worked out, yeah. I guess. Was there ever a desire to do like commercial? Like, yeah, sometimes. Those big fucking Boeings with. Yeah. 300 people on board. Well, see, they have a schedule and I don't have any semblance of a schedule period. And I never had. It's <laughs> yeah, something that I'm used to, I guess, but yeah. I kind of like that... the randomness of it. But okay. sometimes when, if say something's going on, there's a, a St. Paddy's Day party or all these, there's something going on that I'm going to miss and I, I, I have to miss it. That kind of s- sucks, but... Yeah. Overall, I don't know. I mean, it's just a different way to fly. So you've been with a few companies 
over the last like 11 years doing doing different flying stuff but it's yep. mostly uh private or industrial type stuff right like yep, cargo, pretty much cargo or private people yep um what has been going on outside of of that world because you said you know you talk about how the schedule has pretty much been irregular to some degree right for the last ever ever i've never in my life had a schedule <laughs> period oh so you're talking like just generally speaking all plain stuff aside you yeah. just don't operate on a schedule yeah i i, I <laughs> okay. well a lot of people complain about that but yeah me, it's, i was gonna say so you don't have a me. desire to do that either uh is the grass greener because i'm not really sure maybe i do <laughs> but if i did it would i get bored i don't know i don't know you do strike me as someone that gets bored <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Because, I, I mean, let's let's branch into that a little bit because you've talked to me before about how you've, I mean, kind of gotten bored, right, flying. and mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, what This is the great debate. All of us pilots, all of us ding-dong pilots that I that have the displeasure to know me and talk to me, we always debate, do you want to go to an airline and have a schedule? And eventually we get higher pay. And they just, by nature, pay more than private companies yeah. that I work for do. Not always, but the vast majority. So it's like, on the other hand, you give up a lot of benefits too at a smaller company like mine. The debate never ends. It's just whatever you want to do, do it, and then be happy with your decision. Yeah. That applies to a lot of things, I think. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I think that's true. I just, I'm wondering, because again, trying to feed this ribbon through this entire thing, <laughs> did flying at however many tens of thousands of feet <laughs> uh get boring and you're like all right what's next <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah everything becomes routine what's the answer to that question in a dream world oh, in a dream world what comes next if you start on bmx's and you go to skateboards <laughs> and then you go to airplanes yeah what's next have you gone skydiving before no i've never i bungee jumped it's surprising you haven't gone skydiving. I know. If I would have pegged somebody that just like randomly decided to do it when he was in like Acapulco, <laughs> I would say it would be you. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, <laughs> it'll happen. It just, yeah. yeah, it has not happened. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's a good question. That's like one of those like midlife crisis questions. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Can you not have any interest until you reach your midlife? Well, I'm getting close to midlife, so I'll, I'll let you know when I get there. It's just around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Unless this is midlife, I don't know. I, I like to. Well, I suppose it depends for each of us what when we're when we're gonna actually. Oh, like my, mathematically, out. like the odds are against me, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> um, psychologically, I got some more time to move on here. I think I don't know. Yeah. What? Uh, can we talk about alcohol? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm just so. Not having a regular schedule, constantly traveling, being in freaking Kalamazoo for seven years, oh, eight yeah. years. <laughs> There's a lot of things there that open themselves up to uh, overindulging. Of course. <laughs> How's how that played a role over the last 20 years? The thing about the that life in college was, it, it was college life. Yeah. I mean... I kind of joke that when we went back and got our masters, it was me and like a handful of us. We all decided to do it together. 
So we flew all morning, did class in the evening till like 6 to 9 p.m., and then did the bars every night, every single day. No idea how I'm still alive. I don't know. I can't remember sleeping. Yeah. Got through it, but that's just the lifestyle we were in. And our bodies are very resilient in our 20s. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I, can you imagine doing that now? I can't. No. no. And then and getting through grad school, we it was a master's of business course, MBA, and then just didn't really look back and went for it. What about and, after that? Like when you're working for the companies and, and your schedules all over the place and you're traveling to yeah. Mexico and like all these places in Texas and Florida mm-hmm. and like what is what is that that lifestyle? It feels like that lifestyle would just breed well, <laughs> yeah, uh, consistent abuse on your on your body. <laughs> for a lot of people, I think it does. <laughs> yeah, I think the majority of what you see. It's kind of a tapering off as you get older. Yeah. And you're just not going out as much. It's you're you're over it. You've done it. Who cares? Well, that's like, I relax. My and my I say this coming from like so I travel for work. Well, I we'll see if I still do, yeah. but I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, I I mean, I went to fucking Nebraska and the Dakotas and stuff and but I still when we're traveling like all of us were just Go out and drink. Like, what the fuck yeah. else are you gonna do? Well, yeah, that's a lot of it too. Like, what right. else are you gonna do in some of these? But places? when you're, yeah, and when you're, but when you're in places where like that is the thing to do, <laughs> yeah, then what? Uh, yeah, so that's that's why I ask because I know we've talked on the phone when you've been all sorts of different places. Oh yeah, yep. And I can't imagine being in those areas without just fucking partying. <laughs> I, it, it grows old, I think, for a yeah. lot of people. Some, some maybe not. I know a lot of people, I still know a lot of people that just hit it. Here's where I'll put my safety disclaimer in here. I mean, we do abide by the yeah. law and yeah. we take our job seriously. But when you have a couple down days, it's it's easy to get caught up in the moment. And I'm curious, since you mentioned the safety thing, I'm just wondering, do you guys have to abide by the same stuff that like all the commercial pilots do where you have to have at least eight hours? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I wasn't sure how that worked. Yep. I've, I I both love and hate that rule because as a as a customer of like <laughs> of a Delta flight or something when they're like oh delayed because pilots rest I'm like fuck <laughs> like I'm pissed my flight's delayed but at the same time yeah. I don't want some guy that's gotten two hours of sleep flying well yeah exactly I mean rest and duty limitations are there for a, a very good reason yeah yeah um what impact has that schedule played or lack of schedule and your own and it's funny because I keep calling it a schedule. From the point of view, it's like your job's doing yeah. this to you, but then you describe it yourself as like, "No, I'm doing this to me." <laughs> uh, so, what? How does social life, relationships? How does that balance with the the Chris Cable schedule that you kind of have yourself on and that your work puts you on? Well, it can be tough because you know you're going to miss things, you're going to miss events and family events and friend events. Uh, but you figure out ways to make it work. So you, you may have to celebrate Christmas a different day sometimes. Yeah. But has it, so you it just were... takes a little extra layer of planning, but you can do it. Yeah. You have to do it. Um, you're in a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Has that been, has that play, made that any more difficult? It's tough. I mean, kudos to anybody that can put up with someone with a schedule like that. It's <laughs> yeah. takes a lot. Yeah. I mean, it takes a special kind of person. 
Yeah, and again, that comes from all my questions are some form of projection. Um, <laughs> when I'm traveling, you know, at first it sucked because Erica was home alone for, yep. you know, this many days a week. And I was gone, you know, Monday through Wednesday, Monday through Thursday, every single week for almost for like six months at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we got like, you know, by year three, it just becomes like we got our own little thing. Yeah. Because then when the pandemic hit, we we're like, Erica's like, why are you home? Yeah. Like, <laughs> now you're know. invading on her. Why am I not doing? Yeah, exactly. You get your own thing going. <laughs> um, but that was also a schedule, right? Like I was still home every weekend. And, yep. and so I, I, yeah, I imagine that's gotta be rough having it be so sporadic like that. Not easy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. If you don't want to talk about this, let me know. I'm just curious. Uh, You've gotten into the non-alcoholic beers with me. Oh, we can talk about the non-alcoholic. <laughs> I'm drinking one right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's Actually, I could. As we started. You want another one? I do. April is here. Thank goodness. I'll tell you what. I need warmer weather in my life. This winter has stretched out forever. I feel like I was in a lake in a kayak at this point. But that's neither here nor there. April is here. New month. It's my birthday month. Hey, want to get me a birthday present? Uh, Become my non-alcoholic beer friend. Go out there. Head over to wellbeingbrewing.com. You can use code FRIENDREQUEST, save 10%, and try out some of their awesome beers. And then you can let me know what you think. Send me a little birthday card that says, Happy birthday, Justin. I love the intentional IPA. And I'll be like, oh my god, right? Uh, Or any other, you know, their victory wheat, their... Their amber, which is Hellraiser, dark amber, uh, delicious, delicious beers over there, all non-alcoholic. They also have CBD sparkling water, which is also delightful. Lemongrass is a flavor. Who even knows what that is? Uh, I mean, a lot of you probably, but delicious. You can get 10% off all of it, uh, and they will ship it to you anywhere in the country. Head on over to wellbeingbrewing.com. And use code FRIENDREQUEST to save 10%. All right, back to the episode. Happy April! I've, uh, I've obviously, I have numerous episodes on myself cutting down and quitting drinking. Um, care to venture into that? Like, where, where, does, where does that land with you, the decision to drink less, substitute NA beers? Because I like this, and I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'll let you talk eventually. Um, I like, <laughs> Sorry, Kanye I West. like this. Uh, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to let you finish. Um, no, I just, I really like this part of the culture uh, that isn't talked about that I think is a big piece of the market share of NA beers is people that uh, maybe recognize their intake is, is a bit much and they want to find spacers or fill it with something else, but they still want to like, you know, taste hops and stouts. And, uh, so what does that journey look like personally for you? It's been a fun ride. (laughs) It's been a fun ride. Um, you gave me my first non-alcoholic beer. Welcome. And it was a partake, the blue one, which is the pale. Yeah. And it opened some doors because it was time to cut back. It was time to grow up a little bit. Yeah. I was getting a little beer gutty. And uh, I like to stay healthy. I like to go to the gym. So kind of all wrapped up a few things in one. Uh, it got me to cut back, yeah. which was uh, 
helps to save whatever uh, gray matter I have left. That's point two. Uh, point three, I mean, I can drink them throughout the day. It's zero percent. Yeah. I haven't cut drinking out completely, but yeah, I've definitely cut drinking out a lot. Do you reserve it for specific times now? I or? do. Yep. Okay. So there's like special times to drink and yeah. And then, like, you don't, I don't have to drink every day, but I like drinking these. Um, well, let's be honest, every day because they're delicious. And yeah, people ask me, Oh, you're saving a lot of money now? And I was like, Fuck no, I'm no, not no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I probably spend more money now because I, yeah, I, go, I have all these fucking NA beers. Yeah, it's funny. It's like buying a six pack of craft beer, yeah, <laughs> or like, a four pack of craft beer at a six pack price. Yeah, it's also correct. <laughs> no, I'm so I just, I just was curious because I know, uh, that's something that we've shared in and uh you know like i uh, we mentioned traveling and that's what kind of made me think about it because one of the big reasons i quit drinking and i've talked about this on here is like when i was on the road like no matter how much work i did on myself <laughs> if i was drunk and by myself in a hotel like you can toss all that out the window. yeah right out the window it's done <laughs> so it's a yeah it's a nice transition yep and thankfully, you can find it more places now because I spent many, many nights in random Midwestern cities with a six pack of O'Doul's, which is a real fucking bummer. <laughs> yeah, these are way better. Way better. So I want to go back to something you said a few times. A few times? Uh-oh. What's it going to be? I don't know. It's the word the. No. it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nobody thought I could do it. What role do you think the motivation has for you of people doubting you're going to accomplish something <laughs> i get angry and i channel that anger into proving other people wrong but so so okay that comes from then you get angry why does that make you so angry <laughs> who are you trying to prove wrong general uh, you know like i feel like i know i'm using the word they yeah Who's they? I don't know. Maybe it's me. <laughs> and maybe I'm trying to prove myself yeah, right. I don't have an answer. I'm just... <laughs> I don't either, but fishing. I remember there were a few, like, when I went through flight school, I used anger as a source of drive. Okay. Not sure that's the healthiest way to do it. <laughs> maybe, Pilot was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> we got there super fast, though. <laughs> yeah. Damn. We flew through that shit. That's funny. Well, I only flew through it because my credit's transferred. And that was easy, but... I don't know. It's that feeling of having your back against the wall and just like fighting for it. And I've, I've done well in situations where it's like a do or die kind of thing. Yeah. That's a good question. Cause I don't I'm know. Just, yeah. Is it, is there a voice in your head that's constantly telling you like, you won't do this and you have to prove yourself wrong. Maybe. Or is it like, Oh shit. Now we're getting all deep. I'm just, <laughs> it's a, it's a funny thing to to think about like uh you know who are you who are you proving wrong because <laughs> I, I i just i'm operating off the thought that like there wasn't some guy named devin that was like chris you're not gonna do that fuck you <laughs> um <laughs> funny you say that did i pick a random name that applies yes <laughs> <laughs> and not in a bad way but i remember a guy in college named devin that's funny and again maybe it was a competition in my head that didn't exist anywhere else yeah but in the when you walked into the building, and this was back in Kalamazoo, I started flying in Kalamazoo. Then we moved that base over to Battle Creek. But my first, uh, my private pilot training was done in Kalamazoo. 
And so there was a big spreadsheet on the wall, and every time you finished a lesson, and there were, I think, 36 lessons, you high, and it was like an Excel sheet, you highlight yeah. that little box that represented your name, and then the, uh, the x-axis is your name, the y-axis yeah, is the lesson, you and you just color it as you go, and you see like the lines kind of go, and so I'll never forget that me and another guy named Devin were like in the lead for a lot of that, and it was like, motherfucker, you got one more green highlight Devin. bar out of me, <laughs> damn it, Devin. That's funny. And he went on to have a super successful career, and I, I haven't talked to that guy in years and years and years, but I'll never forget that. So, like, when you talk about the they, I don't know that there's no – because nobody cares. Yeah. Like, there's no they. Nobody gives a shit what you do. Yeah. Like, it's all in your head. When I think about it from my point of view, I'm thinking, like, you know, at times the, that person could have been my brother, but you don't have siblings doing that. No. Nope. You mentioned yeah. your parents didn't really, like, pressure you to go to college and all that stuff, so I yeah. don't know if it's your parents – so then I'm I, I, I'm just like common denominator. Is it just you telling yourself like you can't do something? Are you like in this internal battle where you're like, I'm not good enough, and you're like, fuck yeah, I am. And <laughs> I think that's part of it. Yeah. Is that an inferiority complex? I don't think so. I'm not sure what that crap's called either. But I'll never forget, and my mom said this, my mom's like one of the most supportive people in my life. And after the fact, when I got through undergrad, she's like, you know, it was kind of a more I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. Yeah. We can thank those learning years for that. <laughs> so, all right, well, hey, there you go. Yeah. I was probably proving myself right as much as proving all these imaginary people, the they, who the hell is the they, yeah. proving them wrong. Yeah. I think you're, were you proving yourself right and wrong at the same time? <laughs> that was a constant, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, people are stuck in their ruts and nobody knows, nobody cares, nobody's aware of <laughs> the little things that go on in your life that are important to you and... Uh, maybe that's it. I don't know. Well, I, th- I think some people know. Well, at least they should, yeah. right? That's well, where should. that's it's... where you, those that's where that's what friendships and relationships are built off. Those people know what those things are to you. Um, it's the the rut in which we live. Sometimes the rut in which we live. <laughs> Next on Days of Our Lives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that I mean that timeline wise, we're pretty current. Is there anything I skipped on that you wanted to to mention? It's been a fun ride. Being a DJ in college? Ah, we yep, that happened. I am curious on the note of music, because uh, you mentioned music's always been a thing for you, and you did do that in college. We didn't really talk about that. I but. had my own radio show at the college, ra- 89.1 FM, WIDR. Did you have a DJ name, or were you just Chris? I had a DJ name. What was that? Spastokinetic. <laughs> Which is still what I use for a lot of my accounts online. I was going to say, is that a screen name? It sounds like a screen name. Um. I got it out of a book called The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test by Tom Wolfe. Now, I had to do all this crap to balance out all the... Which one's which? The left brain or the right? I can't remember which one. Either way. I think left is math stuff, right is creative. Okay, so... I might have that. I think that's right. It was a nice balance. I couldn't do one without the other and maintain sanity. Yeah. Yeah. I... I always laugh at the, like, when people are like, I'm left brain, I'm right brain. Because um, I don't get that. Like, I, I love math. I'm really good at math. I also obviously do a lot of fucking creative stuff. Uh, but I did notice, and this could be like a combination of a lot of things, and now welcome to Tangent World. But when I was in my last, I had to take two math classes, my like last two college math classes, I was like, just get them out of the way. This happened. This happened in high school too. I always put the math classes off till the end, yeah. and then they're super easy. Uh, well, for me, they're super easy. But the Math's thing terrible. is, when I'm doing them, math's underrated. I didn't do 
any creative stuff while I was in the classes. Like that semester, because mm-hmm. that side of my brain for the math stuff was just, this is my theory anyway, was just getting like constantly working out mm-hmm. that the other side was like, cool, I'm going to take a rest. And then when the semester was over, I, I went right back into music and stuff and I was done. But everything I was doing, even the creative stuff I was doing was like logic based. I just found that to be funny because that's, I think, probably the same side like of the that. brain. Yeah. Uh, I was not able to use both sides at once. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Einstein, part of where he got his insane genius from was I think he had a medical condition where his right and left lobe talked better to each other. Like there wasn't as big of a differentiation between It's hilarious that you just said correct brain. me if I'm wrong as if I'm going to know the fucking answer <laughs> <to> this question. <laughs> well, maybe someone out there knows more about Einstein's brain yeah. than me. Guys, that call in now if you know. Just imagine. So here we are. We're trying to we're trying to make both lobes of our brain talk better to each other. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that what overall genius is? Maybe. I don't know. I like to tell myself that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm probably a genius. You know, I've always <laughs> I've <laughs> I want to take an IQ test, like an actual IQ test, because I want to know what my IQ is. I think now would be like prime time to do it. I'm like, you know, right in the middle of school. I'm also doing a bunch of other shit. Well, especially um, now, because I mean, we're we're hitting our peaks. And it's then, and then, yeah, and then we're gonna start going downhill. <laughs> right when I start my career, I'll start the downhill being <laughs> a fucking moron. Mm-hmm. Well, fun, fun. See, this wasn't so bad. It wasn't so bad. Look at you. Look at you. All concerned. I did want to. That's what my music question was going. Do you find new music today? I do. I do. Is your collection of what you listen to? What percentage of it is new? Would you say? Oh, uh, uh, half, maybe half. Wow. How, how, how do you find it? Is it just like, I make a playlist and Spotify gives me yeah. something. Yep. Okay. I, I, I lean heavily these days on Spotify. Spotify, but, if I like a band, I'll try its radio and then it suggests more stuff that I like and I go to their radio and it just, you're a better man than me. They suggest more things too. I'll hear something. I'll be like, yeah, that's fine. But let me hear something I know. <laughs> <Skip>. <laughs> Yeah. I've reached that apex of like, I rarely find new music and I don't really care. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I'm jealous of that. Um, well, fun. When in doubt, Vans Warped Tour. No. When in doubt. I highly recommend not <laughs> doing that. When in doubt. Oh my God. I want you to go. I want you to go just so you can feel as old as I did when I do it. As they say, when in doubt, punk out. I don't want to get tossed. Something I, here's one thing I did want to touch on. Ooh, touch it. Uh, real quick, let's touch on this. Let's just touch it. Touch it. This, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the St. Andrews Hall floor collapsing? I have a lot of thoughts. On yes. This. <laughs> so and why are we still alive? <laughs> quick backstory. Um, for those not in the Detroit area, or even those that are, uh, St. Andrews Hall is one of the uh, concert venues that's been around for fucking ever. Downtown Detroit, obviously, used to be a church, hence the name, and like many concert venues, apparently. And they uh, they had a lot of shows. It's it's like a smaller one. If you see those bands that don't go to the bigger venues, um, this is this is where they go. And to add to that, below there in the basement was another venue called the Shelter, and that was the ceilings were like six and a half feet tall, and the band played on a six inch stage. And uh, if there was a concert going on above you at any point when you were in the Shelter. You could literally watch the floor move above you. 
um, which was a little concerning. But anyway, fast forward now. Not to... sure if you ever heard of a guy named Eminem. <laughs> But if you have heard of a guy named Eminem, oh, he the used rap to play battles at... were there, weren't yes, they? Yes, in the shelter. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so St. Andrews, the main venue upstairs. Uh, this was what two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. The one of the like trusses or whatever the fuck it's called cracks or snaps, and they have to shut down a show in the middle of the show because the floor is like at risk of caving in. And last I read. The inspector went out there and was like, yeah, no. And they had to cancel everything else. I would imagine they're not going to reopen. Um, I know they sometime in the, I mean, definitely in the last 10 years, but maybe in the last five, they did huge renovations there. I don't know if you've been there recently because they have like a little private room where you can watch the show from there. There's a whole private bar back there. It's like you pay extra. I actually have been there in the past couple years. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's it's so much nicer than it was when we were teenagers. Cause I, I played there with my fucking punk band in high school. Dumb Mama Proud. (laughs) I remember that. I remember that. That place was a shithole, but it was like where all the cool concerts were. So the fact that it lasted this long is amazing. The fact that they put all the money into like, let's make this bar better instead of let's support (laughs) the floor of this fucking building blows my mind. So yeah, those are my thoughts on it. I think it's crazy. I surprised it lasted this long and it was inevitable. We all knew it would happen. Just a matter of time. I'm appalled that the money they put into that place apparently didn't go into the structural (laughs) integrity. They actually needed to fix (laughs) Uh, well, I hope they get it back on its feet. I, I actually don't, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I live north of Detroit. There is two really great venues between here and Detroit, one being Royal Oak Music Theater and the other one being the Crowfoot, which is really close to me. And with St. Andrews being closed, uh, that really opens up what where is a venue that size, and the closest thing is the Crowfoot. And the next one, which is a little bigger, is going to be Royal Oak Music Theater. So if I can get more bands to come here instead of downtown, I'm fine with that. Yeah, good point. <laughs> That's my theory. So why? What? So what are you? Any any additional thoughts? Yeah, no, well, no. It's it, <laughs> it's one of those nostalgic places that meant a lot to us. And oh my god, back when we were ding dongs, the floor's caving in. Then the floor's never not caving in. Yeah. How is how are people not dead? Uh, all the moshing, <laughs> all that moshing. Yeah, all those teens and twenties jumping up and down. Can you imagine like a ska show? Oh <laughs> jump, man, jump, yeah, jump. <laughs> um, yeah. That's when you would really see it. Yeah, uh, it's like a trampoline. All right, I think we've reached our pinnacle. Well, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having. Thanks for all these uh, non-alcoholic Guinness zeros. Yeah, baby, go check them out. Yeah, episode 100. Glad to be here. Chris Cable. Zero to 100. I'll tell you what. Look at us now. I should, I've considered doing this. After this releases, maybe I'll do it and I'll send you a cut and see if you approve it. I'll re-edit the episode zero and just put it on the Patreon so only Patreon supporters can hear it. Ugh. If you guys want that possibility, (laughs) head over to patreon.com slash friendrequestpod. If they're gluttons for punishment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is that internal voice that you have oh yeah yeah beat yourself up the whole the whole time and then uh, and then you say fuck you i'll do it anyway i'll do it anyway here i am for one zero zero one hundred i think you can do it chris 
I believe in you. I know I can do it. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? All right, you just listened to my interview with Chris Cable. I'm still, I think I'm still going to do a, a cut of that first episode zero of a 2019 interview with Chris, and I'll send it to him for approval. I don't want to post it anywhere without his approval and have him go, hey, how come all your Patreon members know about this, this, and this? Whoopsies. No, I wouldn't do that, buddy. Uh, so I will uh, I'll work on that. I'll let you know. I'll let you know how that pans out. And speaking of Patreon, head on over there if you guys want some exclusive content, patreon.com slash friendrequestpod. And I, I have some notes. I have some things I'd like to say because this is episode 100. So I wanted to save it here for the end. So if you are listening to this and you're like, Justin, I don't care, um, you can go ahead and hit the skip 30 seconds mark or you can just hit remove download, whatever your heart desires. But for those of you that have been here uh, since the beginning, or those of you that are just joining and love the show and are listening to me talk right now, uh, just some things I wanted to say. So there's these stupid little moments uh, that were put into place when I started this podcast. And I'm going to get slightly technical here, so stick around, kids. You might learn something. I mean, you you probably won't. But <laughs> uh, So when you create an audio file on your computer for a podcast, or for music in that for that matter... Uh, you edit what is known as the metadata. There's like ID3, I believe is what it's called too. And that's where you can add stuff like album title, track number, etc. So for the podcast, I always put in the episode number and the year amongst all the other fields. And since I started the show in 2019, it's always been a little thrill to type in a new year. So 2020, 2021, and now 2022. So in addition, for reasons I do not remember... I always numbered the episodes with three digits. So you've probably seen this on Instagram or, or in your podcast feed. So 001, 002, 003. My episode is 054. Um, and so on, you know. So subconsciously, you know, it was as if I knew it was going to go into three digits. Or maybe that was like a goal that I, I set without knowing it. Um, so I wanted to hold that space, right, until it did. So typing 100 for this episode in the metadata... Uh, it's like checking a box that I had been excited about for three years and didn't even really know it. So this was super cool for me, super fun. Uh, it's such a nice little uh, little centennial, right? So yeah, it makes me very happy. Um, in, in addition, though, to little little fun technical things like that, this show has meant so much to me. Uh, it inspired me to go back to school and find my career as a therapist it's given me hundreds of hours of experience listening to people tell their stories while <laughs> simultaneously giving me a platform to tell my own. And I've been in reintroduced and met so many people, just amazing people, and, and I learned new things about people I have had in my life for decades. You know, like, just, it's crazy. Chris is a great example. Chris has been a pretty constant person in my life since I was, what, 14? And so... Don't do your math there, but it's over two decades. Um, I just, I have an amazing, supportive, uh, I, have, I have this fan base, right? Amazing, supportive, thoughtful fans. And I receive messages regularly from people about how someone's story on the show helped them to discover something new about themselves, which is easily the most rewarding thing in the world, 
you know, out of all the wacky random ideas I've had that I decided to like turn into something tangible, and there's some terrible ones out there, <laughs> uh, this is by far the best one. To provide a platform for people to share their stories is rewarding in a way that I, I cannot put into words. I just tried to, and I feel like I fumbled a lot of those words. Uh, but I did, I did want to say some specific thank yous, and it feels like this is a great place to do that. So uh, I also, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm so, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm at a loss for words. I'm so excited that this is happening. But all right, thank yous. I wanted to say thank you to my Patreon supporters, um, people like Michelle. The first one, Michelle, I see you out there. Michelle reached out to me before I ever even had a Patreon. I don't even know her. Uh, you know, I, Michelle, you want to come on the show? Um, and Katie, Dustin, Erica, Kara, Jenny, Andy, Mandy. Oh, it rhymed. Um, <laughs> special thanks to Z and Ash, the famous Dungeons and Dragons duo. They gave me a cake to celebrate this episode, which is probably the most thoughtful thing in the world. Uh, that'll be on the Instagram feed, so check that out. Thank you to Erica, my wife, who constantly tolerates me bringing strangers into the house. Uh, you know, not every not every person, partner, couple, wife, spouse is going to be cool with you being like, hey, I'm going to invite a strange girl over and sit with her in the basement for two hours. <laughs> it sounds weird when you put it that way. Uh, thank you to all of the therapists that I've had. <laughs> I feel like this show would not be possible without that. Uh, cue the better help ad. Uh, a very special thanks to Talia Dalton, who recorded the theme song and keeps coming out with fantastic music for me to listen to. And finally, thank you to Chris Cable, my guest on this episode and the first person I interviewed back in the summer of 2019. Not only did he come back and sit down with me for this, but he was the first one willing to do it. You know, like that's... Uh, he even <laughs> he even understood why we couldn't use it the first episode and he was as he put it in this episode um he was my learning years <laughs> so and finally i i want to dedicate this episode to aaron motto also known as the hippie uh, he also volunteered to be on the show back in the summer of 2019 and i wanted nothing more than to reconnect with him because we used to hang out we used to live together um he was a really good friend of mine and we kind of got disconnected for a little while and sadly he passed a month after volunteering and I never got the chance to sit down with him. So this one's for you, Skippy. Uh, thank you guys so much. I love you. You are just the best listeners and fans and friends uh, that I could ask for. I appreciate it so much. I will talk to you guys next week. Episode 100 complete. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, I'm going to go. Okay, I love you. Bye.